Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Dare to Self Care. I'm Jen, lifestyle YouTuber and your host of this podcast, where we dive deep with insightful guests to find out how self care has played a role in their success. Welcome to our community. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our community. I'm so excited about this episode because we recorded with Ali Bonar, and she was just on Shark Tank literally Friday night. It just launched their new episode. It went live on Friday night. It was so fun to watch after recording this episode with her, so I can't wait for you guys to watch as well and hear this episode, but we have to start with what was in alignment for us this week and what was out of alignment for us this week. I'm going to reflect on my week and you guys reflect on your weeks as well. What was in alignment for me this week was, how do I even explain it? I've just really been going after it. I've been re-strategizing my content, replanning all of my YouTube videos with more strategy, more elevated production quality and value and I'm just really, I feel like this week I've been putting myself out there. I've been going the extra mile, you know, not just having things as thoughts in my head, but actually acting on them. So to get a bit more specific, I had a call with my graphic designer to finally create my website. I also finally booked and had a consultation call with Lucy Fink. She was on this podcast. She gives consultations on YouTube production And I was sitting on it for a while because I didn't know if I wanted to fully invest that money, but it was the perfect timing. So I got that done this week. I had my first session and actually, you know, took what she said and put, I'm implementing everything. I'm re-strategizing. And lastly, another thing I did, I had a coffee meeting with a major YouTuber who I admire so much to potentially help her out and work with her and learn from her. So more on that to come. But I guess what's in alignment is feeling really inspired and actually taking action. I'm making the coffee meetings. I'm investing in myself. I'm actually re-strategizing, learning how to produce better, just really, really taking action this week. And I feel like it's good timing because I won't hopefully burn out too badly because I'm going to Florida in a few days. So when you're listening to this, I will be going to Florida in two days on Thursday. I am taking off work Friday, Monday, Tuesday. So I will have a nice long weekend in Florida, some family time, and really just relax. I am going to film a fitness challenge, either running a mile a day for a week or trying out Sweat with Sweats. The workout platform that we talked about last week was Sweats in the City, their workout platform. So I'm going to try one or the other while I'm there and record a week-long challenge. So definitely DM me at Jen underscore Lauren with two N's if you have a preference. If you want to take a little vote on which one I should do, definitely reach out. Maybe I'll put it on my Instagram stories or No. Okay. I 
talking really fast here. I am going to. I have been going nonstop all day. I feel like I'm, it feels like I just took eight cups of caffeine and I'm just like rambling, talking a million miles per minute. So let me slow down because I know I've been told that my voice is soothing on this podcast. And right now I feel like I am just a chihuahua like chomping your ear off. <laughs> But I'm going to post on my community tab on YouTube. If you are subscribed, it will pop up on your homepage that it'll say that I put a poll up of which one you want to see. So I will let you guys vote on that. And we'll see how that goes. So I'll get some filming done. I'll still be productive, but definitely going to relax a lot. Hopefully see my friend Natalie Barbu out there who's been on this podcast and just catch up. So it should be a really nice, relaxing, productive trip. Okay, what was out of alignment for me this week was, well, I guess I I just ate like shit. (laughs) It was so fun, so I don't even regret it, but I guess it's all I could think of because it it did cause an IBS flare-up, which is not fun. I missed some workouts. I ate donuts. I ate ice cream. I ate cakes. It was all in such good fun, and I, I genuinely, like, have zero regrets, but Basically, Ethan and I went out for ice cream one night, which was so cute. Then the next night, we got donuts, and Ethan made friends with the girl behind the counter, so she gave us, like, three pumpkin donuts. And then we went to his grandparents this weekend and had a bunch of, you know, Jewish grandparents. They just feed you a lot. I had a bunch of cake, like, just so much. And honestly, I would say that that was in alignment because it was so fun, but... I just like have been super bloated. It slows me down. My IBS has really been flaring up, but it was fun, so I don't care. But I definitely want to prioritize eating cleaner and some more movement over the next week for sure, just to reset. If you listen to the episode from the other week with Lily Galef, co-founder of Hilma, they have a product that's called the Stomach Reset. It's a packet, like a powder packet that you put in your water. It's like coconut water, goji berry, aloe like all these things that reset your stomach so I did put that in water last night and drink that and I feel so much better already I do have a discount code for Hilma so I will put that in the show notes for sure because you need to try their products it's amazing but anyway I hope you guys had a great week and if not we have a new week ahead so have no fear I hope this episode inspires you Let's breathe in more of what was in alignment for us this past week and breathe out what was out of alignment for us this past week. (sighs) All right, so let's introduce our guest of this week, Allie Bonar. She is the founder of the world's first spreadable granola, granola butter. Her company is called Oat House. Granola butter is a nut-free oat-based spread aiming to disrupt the nut butter and nut alternative spread markets. You can find Oat House's granola butter at Whole Foods, Press Juicery, Thrive Market, Air One, Central Market, Juice Press, and more. I mean, it's truly everywhere at this point, and they were just on Shark Tank. Have I mentioned that yet? Just kidding. You'll be hearing a lot about that because I thought that was so fucking cool. So we got into what it's like going on Shark Tank, what granola butter even is, the founding story behind Oat House, and how her eating disorder recovery led to creating the granola butter, what she learned in therapy through eating disorder recovery that helped her recover and helped her on her healing journey, and how she went from actually creating this recipe from ideation to figuring out how to actually physically create it to landing her product in Whole Foods, 
and everywhere else that it now is. So, I do want to note that my microphone broke, and so it, it sounds a bit off in this episode. It's nothing crazy. It's not, like, cringeworthy or I would not be uploading it. Don't worry. But if you're new, I just wanted you to know that this is a one-off thing. My audio is typically top-notch, so do not let it deter you. Allie is speaking for 95% of it anyway. Such inspirational words, and her audio is perfect, so do not worry. And my new microphone cord will be coming within the next week, so all will be fixed. But anyway, if Allie does inspire you in this episode like she did inspire me, please share this episode with a friend or post it onto your Instagram stories. It means the absolute world when we can grow this community together. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me. (laughs) Of course. I'm so great. I'm so excited to talk to you today. How are you doing? I'm good. I am, let's see, I'm super overwhelmed but excited. Um, We found out that our episode of Shark Tank is airing next Friday. (gasps) So, yeah. Wait. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I I finally can talk about it. We're announcing it. So, I mean, obviously, this is being recorded before, but. We're announcing it tomorrow in my land. So um, yeah, so I'm super excited, but it's also just like so, so many feelings, you know, um, but oh yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. We, that's like where <laughs> we're taking this podcast in a whole different direction than I was yeah. planning on. Cause that is so much cooler than anything I wanted to talk about. Yeah. So, <laughs> we're going to dive into that very shortly, but first, before I forget, We have to start every episode with you giving us your top self-care tip that has played a role in your success. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, let's see. I mean, so many things. I'm not a big – like when I first heard the term self-care, I feel like before this whole wave of, you know, taking care of yourself and meditating and all of that was really trendy, I think everyone felt like it was being selfish. And I was really resistant for a long time, honestly. And I think as women, it's so common where it's like, we take care of everyone else except for ourselves. Um, so I feel like I've just sort of come around to actually embodying that and knowing that, okay, if I take care of myself, I can show up better for other people. Because for a long time, it was like, oh, self-care, I know that's important, but I wouldn't actually take the time to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's like meditating. It's the same thing. It's like, I know I need to meditate, but like, do I actually do it? No. (laughs) Until very recently. And it's like, Allie, like you can't burn the candle at both ends and expect to be your best self and show up and, you know, run a business and just be all these things. Um, So I would say if it's one thing, it's just having time for myself in the morning. And it doesn't have to be this elaborate two hour morning routine because, you know, I see all the wellness influencers like sharing about (laughs) theirs and not to bash anyone. Like if they can do that, that's amazing. But I just have found that for myself, it's not very realistic. Um, I have, you know, probably like 30 minutes in the morning to do everything I want to do. So just like five minutes, I don't look at my phone right when I wake up and I just sit, I light a candle. Like that's my little ritual, light a candle, sit on a pillow and just like breathe and kind of think about my day and how I want to show up in, you know, in my day. Um, so that's really changed a lot for me, but it's been very recent. It's not like, you know, I've been doing this for years. It's just something that I've kind of come to out of honestly, you know, out of burnout and being like, okay, I'm feeling burned out. How can I prevent this? Um, and just having time for myself in the morning has been 
really helpful. I love that because I love anytime we can share like a five minute tip. Like it sounds like you get such peace in the morning and it doesn't have to be this long routine doing a thousand things. Sometimes what's really best and what you really need and are craving is just silence and a candle and like simple, free, quick things. So I love that tip. And everything you were mentioning earlier resonates with me so much because for me, I just was always the caretaker and like the fixer for everyone. Mm -hmm. And then when the pandemic hit, there were some serious things that I needed to help family members and friends with in their lives. But my anxiety was like through the roof, like like I've never experienced in my life before. And that's Mm -hmm. where I had that wake up call as well, where I was like, wait, there's actually something to this. There's a reason people say you need to take care of yourself before you can take care of everyone else. Because I can't be that positive light or be a good listener or anything that these people need me to be unless I'm feeling my best or at least like feeling mentally stable. So I had a similar moment to you and I I agree. I think it's so important. I I don't have hours every single morning, but just for me, it's my five minute journal. Like if I can just do that, it doesn't even take five minutes. It takes me like literally a minute and a half and just you just check in and it can be a quick thing, but making the time to check in with yourself is so important. So important. And I think honestly, having a shorter morning routine is, has been more helpful for me in staying consistent because, you know, I've tried to do the whole miracle morning thing where it's like, you get up, you meditate, you journal, like it's literally a two hour thing. And it's like, that is so overwhelming that I'm like, fuck it. I'm not even going to do it. But if it's like, okay, just breathing for five minutes, like even less, like if even if you're like, I'm going to sit here. Cause I know sitting in silence and stillness for me is like one of the hardest things. Cause my brain is like, beam, beam, beam. <laughs> and I just like, so go, 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 which means that I need it. Um, so sometimes I'll just be like, I'm just going to sit here for 30 seconds. And more often than not a hundred percent of the time, like you can, you sit there and you're like, Oh, that was easy. I can do another 30 seconds or whatever. So yeah, starting small has been really helpful. I think that's really great advice. And I also think even if it wasn't easy, you realize, you know, if you go to grab your phone and answer that first email of the day, you just feel a little more at peace, like the tiniest bit. Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I think all of us, we live, like you were saying, when the rest of our world is so go, 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 like the rest of the day, I mean, really like I used to wake up and be like, oh, I have to check my phone. I have to see what I missed overnight. And it's like nothing like no one's dying. If there was actually something I needed to know about, someone would like call me, you, you know, know, multiple. I would yeah. know. Exactly. And it's the same thing with like watching the news. And, you know, I think during quarantine, all of us were very much like, you know, had to stay up to date on every little thing. And I've definitely, you know, I want to be in the know, of course, but I'm not always compulsively, you know, checking the news because it's like, if I need to know, I'll find out somehow. <laughs> so 100%. And like, you can also find out five minutes later, right. even if it was the end of the world. You could wait five minutes. Totally, yeah. For sure. Okay, so I want to get into all things Oat House. Yeah. I'm I'm thrown off by the Shark Tank of it all because I was <laughs> literally that- watching – I was watching it last night. That's oh. why I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just been top of mind, which is why I brought it up. Oh, my it's God. Like literally I'm my life so right now. excited. I want to hear everything about it. But before we get into that, let's start just like what is Oat House? What's the story of Oat House? Let's, let's let the audience know what your product even is and then we'll dive into it. 
Yeah, definitely. I know. I guess we should start from the beginning. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my company is Oat House. Um, as Jen mentioned, my product is granola butter. Um, if you haven't heard of granola butter, you're not alone. We're the first to create it. So you're not missing out on like some big trend. Um, it's very new. And essentially what it is, is, you know, the same texture as a nut butter. So think like a peanut butter and an almond butter, um, but we use oats as the base. So it's the first oat-based spread, the first spreadable granola. I tell people that it tastes like those cinnamon Teddy Grahams that you used to have it as does. a kid. Yeah. It does. It's like <laughs> liquid Teddy Grahams. Um, I mean, our original flavor. We have different flavors as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I started Oat House out of my eating disorder recovery. So um, kind of a, a curveball, you know, not something that I, w- I would have expected to come out of my eating disorder recovery, starting a food company, obviously it's a little ironic, but, um, it's actually been really healing to, you know, co- go from this place of being terrified of every little thing I was putting in my body to being surrounded by food on a day-to-day basis and just absolutely thriving and loving it. Um, so if you want, I mean, we can get into to that story too, but um, yeah, we started it about three and a half years ago now and um, moved our entire lives from San Diego, California to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which has just been wild, but so cool um, for the business just to open a factory facility out here. So yeah, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> There's so much to unpack. I, You know what's interesting? You are not only not the first, but you're like the fifth person to come on this podcast and have a business that has to do with food and say that it stemmed from an eating disorder. We have Remy Park, who has the Veggiekins food blog, Rachel Mansfield, like several women that struggled with their relationship with food and now it's their entire life and they're surrounded by it. So I would love to hear more about that. And were you, you know, in the depths of your eating disorder when you came up with the idea for granola butter or was it after you sort of started to heal Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's pretty common, right? You even think about a lot of registered dietitians or people that find themselves in the, in the food space. It often comes out of some sort of disordered relationship with food. And whether that be positive or negative, I know for me, you know, I actually started studying nutrition. I went just undergrad. I studied it as my major. And it was a very negative um motivation to start with because it was really fear-based. It was, you know, my whole adolescent, like from the time I was 13 or 14 until, you know, probably a few years ago, 23, 24, my whole life was just consumed with thoughts of, you know, calories and losing weight and getting the perfect body. And I always tell people, cause you know, oftentimes they'll ask like, did something happen? Did someone say something? Um, and it really wasn't an external, you know, someone didn't make a comment, which I know is pretty common, right? Like some girls, their moms will take them to Weight Watchers and that sort of triggers their, um, disordered relationship with food. But for me, it was really just growing up in this society of, you know, we're so obsessed with thinness and we put it on a pedestal and, Um, That combined with, you know, being very type A and wanting to, you know, do everything perfectly Um, and also just the common, you know, our collective human desire to just be loved and feel worthy and fit in, um, you know, which is exacerbated by being (laughs) in middle school and high school and just the whole trying to be popular and just trying to, you know, be have a lot of friends, like that whole thing. Um, I think that's really where it stemmed from. And so you know, when I was in middle school, I was playing volleyball, was in 
little tiny spandex a lot. And I just remember being so aware of my body um, and just comparing my body to other girls on my team and, you know, just being very, um, yeah, very hard on myself. And so did what any middle schooler would do. I went to Tumblr, which I don't know if you remember Tumblr, but it was of like course. <laughs> the, I don't know, the most probably toxic thing I could have done. And Emo. I just found all these like, yeah, thinspo <laughs> Tumblr accounts that were telling me, you know, eating half an apple a day and just like terrible advice. And I thought it was, you know, great advice. And I was like, okay, I guess that's what I have to do. And just so doing all these really destructive behaviors um, and trying to change my body and just treating it really poorly. And so as I mentioned before, you know, my motivation to go into studying nutrition was from that place. It was me thinking, okay, the more I learn about food, the more I learn about nutrition, I'm going to be able to unlock this secret to having this perfect body and and conquering my relationship with food. Because at the time I was, I was really yo-yoing, you know, I was restricting for a little bit, but then I would overeat and I would binge. Um, and sort of just, you know, rubber band back the other way, which in hindsight, it's like, of course I was, you know, depriving myself of vital nutrients during a time when I was growing and expending so much energy. I remember I was playing two sports growing up, you know, and just being in high school, like you're just expending a lot of energy. You're learning all day, you know, emotionally it's a lot. So, um, it makes total sense why I was binging because I wasn't, eating enough. But at the time I thought it was something wrong with me. You know, I thought I wasn't, I didn't have high enough motivation or I wasn't able to stick to my diet. And so, you know, in tandem with having this disordered relationship with food, it was also accompanied by these feelings of guilt and shame around not being, you know, strong enough or not doing it well enough. Um, so it was really just a mentally, I'm like exhausted telling you all this. I can't believe I did it for like over a decade. Um, it was really, really hard. And so, you know, ended up studying nutrition at UC Berkeley up in the Bay area. And it just, it, it added fuel to the fire. Really. It really, you know, instead of maybe helping my relationship with food and learning, oh, okay, you know, all these different food groups have different nutrients and it really actually went the other way where I found myself more and more obsessed with the types of food I was eating. So it's this term called orthorexia, which for anyone listening that doesn't know, it's essentially, it's a form of an eating disorder, but you're obsessed with, you know, the quote unquote cleanliness of your food or, you know, the ingredients. And I think nowadays it's really hard because our society is so obsessed with, you know, wellness and eating clean that it's easy to really it's a blurry line, you know? And so I was able to hide it really well. None of my friends knew that I was actually struggling with food because they were like, oh, she's the nutrition student. Like, you know, she eats salads all day because she's the healthy one. Where right. in reality, I was struggling and I was, you know, in this mental prison that I had created for myself. Um, and then also to, on top of that, I wasn't underweight. I wasn't this frail, stereotypical, anorexic looking girl. I was, you know, athletic and I had some muscle to me and I, I didn't look like I needed help. So that on top of it was easy for me to hide. You know, no one suspected anything. And I was going out and partying. I was doing all the things that a normal college student did. Um, but inside I was just devastated and, you know, in a lot of mental <laughs> turmoil. Um, so ended up fast forward, graduated college, moved into San Francisco, you know, was working in tech, as one does. Um, a lot of my friends were doing that and, you know, had a great time working at a startup, but was still really struggling with my relationship with food. Again, very secretly, no one knew. Um, and 
I like to tell people too, it's a spectrum. You know, I, I never felt like I re- resonated so much with, oh, I'm anorexic or oh, I'm bulimic or I'm orthorexic because I felt like I didn't really fit into any of those boxes. Um, you know, I would restrict for a little bit, but then I would binge and I would try and make myself throw up, but I never really could. Um, I would really rely on exercise and over-exercising to kind of burn off whatever I ate the night before. And because of that, I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel like anyone else was going through what I was going through. And so that also prevented me from seeking help for a long time. Um, So I'm really outspoken about, you know, it's a spectrum and you can actually kind of dip into a lot of different buckets when you're struggling with food. Um, So finally actually ended up getting help Thank God. And um, I promise granola butter comes into this at some point, but um, no, I'm, I'm loving this. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. And uh, found my therapist on Instagram of all places, classic millennial move. Um, but <laughs> I, I grew up in this family where, you know, my mom and my dad, amazing people. I'm super close with them, but they were so positive and so kind of happy-go-lucky. And not that that's a bad thing, but I don't think I was ever taught how to handle with negative emotion, how to, you know, how to deal with feelings of stress or anxiety or overwhelm, which I think in hindsight is really why I turned to food and use that as sort of a distraction and a coping mechanism for so long. Um, and then on top of that, you know, my parents never talked about therapy. They never talked about mental health. And it wasn't that, you know, they didn't want to. It just it never came up. And so I think I had this stigma, you know, that seeing a therapist was bad. And this was a few, this was honestly not that long ago, but it still was, I feel like it wasn't as common as it is now where everyone's very open about going to therapy and how positive it can be. Um, and so I found this woman on Instagram and I was like, it was just, it was a very accessible way to start seeing a therapist because, you know, she kind of, looked like me. She was young. She lived in San Francisco. She just seemed very approachable. She wasn't this like scary old woman that I imagined a therapist was going to be like judging Mm -hmm. me from behind her little notepad, you know? Um, And so I ended up reaching out and I just, I mean, within that first meeting of talking to her, I spilled my life story to her. And this was the first person, like now I'm very open about my story, but at the time it would have been my biggest nightmare for anyone to know that I was struggling. So just the fact that I told her what I was going through, like half of my healing was done after that first meeting. That's not to say that it was all roses and butterflies after that, because it was such a journey, um, which we can dig into. And yeah. And so she really helped me for the next probably, you know, six to nine months on just healing my relationship with food. Um, So where granola butter comes into all this, Part of that journey was reintroducing my fear foods back into my diet Um, because when you're struggling with orthorexia, as I mentioned, there's just certain foods, you label everything as good and bad. And it's not, oh, you know, this is bad. Like I shouldn't have it as often as, you know, like I should have it less often than every day. It was like I was terrified of that food and I would not touch it. I wouldn't even have like a single crumb. So it really was like exposure therapy. Same thing as when someone's afraid of spiders or snakes, you know, you have to just expose yourself to it and it becomes less scary. And then slowly over time, adding it into your meals and realizing, you know, I can have a piece of bread and I'm not going to die. Um, and I know it sounds dramatic, but anyone who's gone through it, it really is that scary. It's that terrifying. And so for me, you know, peanut butter, almond butter, some of these nut butters, they were very scary to me because they were so calorically dense. Um, so as I started to add those back in, I really found myself just, 
you know, struggling to digest them. Um, I think because my gut health was such a wreck from years of binging right. and restricting. So didn't want to give up on my recovery, you know, started to look at the, some of the nut-free options, tried like the sunflower seed butter and, you know, all that, all the soy nut butters and stuff that was nut-free and just no offense to those brands, but like for me personally, <laughs> did not do it for me. Um, and so I just got in my kitchen and I was in my tiny San Francisco kitchen, had my Vitamix blender and I was like, what can I create that's nut-free but is still, you know, has the good healthy fats and tastes really good. That was like the number one thing for me. I was like, yes, you can kind of, you know, you can check the boxes nutritionally, but if it doesn't taste good, like I'm not going to go back in for seconds, yeah. you know? Um, and I think we sometimes forget that in the wellness space, you know, it's like we're, we so easily tout, oh, it's gluten-free, it's, you know, has omega-3s and it's like, okay, but how's it taste? Cause that's really, but does it you know, taste good though. <laughs> yeah, totally. So ended up, you know, kind of having this idea, this epiphany for an oat-based spread. I was really inspired by, you know, Oatly with their oat milk coming onto the scene and Trader Joe's cookie butter tasted so good, but I wanted something that made my body feel really good as well. Um, as I was kind of nourishing it back to health and just really wanting to, you know, feel optimal and vibrant. So yeah, that's where the idea for granola butter was born. Um, and then, you know, still doing it today, a little bit bigger than my kitchen, but <laughs> here we are. It's so incredible. I love when a business actually stems from a personal experience or it allowed you to heal. I've been learning this, not learning, I've been reading this book called The Emotional Entrepreneur. And and she talks about how entrepreneurship is what helped heal her from her bipolar disorder, from struggling mm. with it at least, because she was finally holding herself accountable and she was passionate about something. So I love stories where an amazing, beautiful business, or for you, like you're bringing this amazing product to so many, especially people with nut allergies who can now have that taste of a nut butter. Like you're just bringing an amazing product and it all stems from something that you really, really struggled with for so many years. And it's it's nice to be able to put some sort of purpose behind your struggles to be like, it led me here. Totally. And I'm curious, like what else did you, it sounds like exposure therapy was a huge thing for you, but before we dive right into the products, I'm curious if there's anything else that, you know, you, you sought help and that was a huge first step. Was there anything else that you learned in therapy or that really helped you in therapy to go on your healing journey? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, so many things. I And again, like even if you're not struggling with food and you're listening to this, just having a therapist and you don't have to do it forever, but I think it's so eye-opening to work with someone for a few months and it really helps just with self-awareness. Like I think self-awareness is such a superpower that, you know, we think we're all born with, but really it's learned. Um, and a lot of things are learned that I think society tells us we should just, you know, grow up having. Um, but one thing that really stands out to me, and I briefly mentioned it earlier, but feeling the whole spectrum of emotion, right? Like I think we're getting better at this on social media where people are showing more of the highs and the lows and they're showing kind of the real, real behind the scenes, but it's still, you know, a curated filtered version of like a hardship that they're going through, which is fine. I know Instagram is a visual medium, but it does paint this really unrealistic expectation of what life is supposed to be. Um, and even on TikTok too, it's a little more realistic and pe it's not as filtered, but it's still paired with, you know, great editing and a really catchy right. song. And just oftentimes life isn't that way. So um, yeah, I think growing up, I was taught that, you know, oh, if you're crying, if you're sad, let's go get ice cream or, 
you know, oh, cheer up, here's a present or here's this. It was always sort of like something is wrong with the fact that you're feeling this way. And it was always, you know, what can we do to make you happy again? Which again, I don't fault my parents. Like they were amazing. I had an amazing childhood, you know, no abuse, like (laughs) no neglect. Like I can't complain. I know a lot of people don't have a childhood like that. And so, but what I'm saying is that there's, you know, also downsides to being happy all the time because what I've learned in therapy is just, we're so like almost flipping this, the script of, you know, it's not bad that you're feeling sad. It's not bad that you're feeling anxious or bored or lonely or all these feelings that we consider wrong or bad or negative. Like we actually are so lucky and we're so blessed and we should be grateful to feel this whole spectrum because honestly, without the bad, the good wouldn't feel as good, right? Like we've all had those, you know, days or even I've learned moving to the East coast. Cause obviously San Diego, it's like 75 and sunny all year round, like moving to the East coast or when I was in San Francisco, when there was a sunny day, it was like everyone was outside, you know, or that first day of spring on the East coast, everyone's like in such a great mood because there was that contrast of having, you know, the long winter right before that, or a lot of gray, you know, cold days. And it's the same thing with emotion. I think we can't expect to feel happy all the time. Otherwise it wouldn't be as good as it is. Right. So I think getting comfortable with that, and it's one thing to say it, but another thing to really feel it because just keeping in mind that feeling an emotion, it's just a vibration. It's just a vibration in your body. And if you resist it, if you push it down like a beach ball underwater, it's inevitably going to come up and just hit you in the face. But if you lean into it, you feel it, um, and you let it pass through you, it's going to move a lot more quickly than trying to resist it. So what I used to do is I would feel, you know, feelings of anxiousness or stress or even boredom. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, I eat out of boredom a lot, you know? And I think now with smartphones, we don't really let ourselves be bored as often. We just start scrolling on Instagram, which is fine. I do the same thing. But, um, you know, instead of fighting those feelings, I would, you know, turn to food to distract myself or I would just numb out if I was feeling stressed and I would eat and then I would feel guilty for eating and I would, you know, the next day I would overexercise and just the headspace and the amount of time that that took up. But really it was a super effective coping mechanism. So I think also flipping the script and being like, going from this place of, you know, my issue with food or whatever it is, if you have a problem with drinking or gambling or sex or anything, drug addiction, like instead of it's, you know, acknowledging that it's an issue saying this is actually a great coping mechanism and acknowledging that it doesn't make you wrong. It's sort of, you know, it just makes you understand why you're doing something that you're doing. So then you can switch it and then you can move into solution mode um, and try and find, you know, something that does actually serve you because, coping mechanisms aren't bad. Like we all have different ones. It's just sometimes we realize that our coping mechanism is actually causing more harm than good. And that's when we need to find, you know, healthier strategies. So yeah, I would say feeling feelings is a big one. Um, Talking about it with, you know, family and friends, being more open about it. The more open you can be about something that you're shameful or guilty about, the less, like you can't feel shameful about something that you can talk openly about, right? And I remember when I first started sharing about things I was so shameful about, like eating out of the trash and, you know, abusing Adderall and cocaine and diet pills just to stay skinny. People came out of the woodwork. Like my friends from high school, my friends from college that I had no idea had problems. They were like, oh my God, I've been through the same thing. I thought I was the only one. And so you actually can find connection out of these moments rather than feeling guilty and shameful and feeling like you're alone in this world because I promise you there's so many humans on this planet like there's no way that you're you know 
I, I feel like you're a very special person, but like, you're not that special. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> there's other people going through this stuff too. So that also was really helpful. Absolutely. And I think when you go to therapy for the first time and you do share and just like lay it all on the table, you realize it's not that scary because you are in a safe space. They usually validate your feelings and reassure you that, you know, other people experience this too. And then everything else that they allow you to, you know, open up about. But that idea of you were saying like, sort of, it's sort of like a band aid, like, oh, we'll get ice cream. Oh, you're upset. We'll do this. And there's nothing wrong with it. But through therapy, I agree. It's like you learn self-awareness and you learn that it actually helps to talk things through because once you can understand your emotions and understand what's going on, you have a little more control over it because you can get to the solution and anxiety comes from not having control. And that's one thing I learned through therapy that's really helped. So I completely agree. I think it's just sometimes you need to let it all out to that first person and then you realize like, you did form a connection over that, even though a therapist is paid to do that. Mm -hmm. It does sometimes open those doors to be like, oh, maybe I can talk to other people in my personal life about this as well. So yeah. I really, I love that you learned that through therapy. The I, last I think that's, things, yeah. yeah. The last thing I'll say um, that I just thought of too, which really helped is if you're struggling with, if you're afraid to open up to a friend, maybe it's a parent or a best friend or a significant other, something that helped me because I was like, oh, they're going to think I'm weird or they're going to think something's wrong with me or I'm broken is flipping, flipping, you know, if the tables were turned and they came to you, say it's your best friend or your partner. And they were like, Hey, I'm really struggling with food. Like I just, I don't want you to feel like you have to solve it, but I just want you to know and, you know, be there and support me as I kind of work through this. Like you would have nothing but love and support for them, you know, and you wouldn't be like, oh, they're weird. Like I'm kicking their ass to the curb, you know, <laughs> which is kind of what we all, like we have this deep rooted fear, which is just human. It's like, you don't want to be abandoned. You want to be accepted into the tribe, into the group, which I get, but you just have to sort of put your evolutionary, you know, thoughts aside and just be like, this person loves me for me. And just because I'm going through something right now, it just makes me more human. Honestly, it'll probably make our, our bond stronger and, you know, they'll, they'll resonate with my, you know, me sharing my vulnerability and it means I can trust them. Um, so it's actually a really good thing. So that was really helpful because I had a lot of fear and anxiety around telling people and them, you know, especially like friends, I, I feel like parents, they, they'll love you regardless, you know, partners, same kind of thing. But sometimes with friends, like especially girlfriends, even if they're your best girlfriends, there's still this kind of vibe of like, you want to fit in, right? And um, and so that was really scary for me. And so thinking like if one of them came to me, I would just have nothing but support for them. So if anyone's struggling with that, that was helpful when I went through yeah. it. Yeah. Especially in college or high school, like girls can just be so mean and it's so terrifying mm -hmm. to not be accepted when you're in a school setting. Yeah. I'm so, I feel like vulnerability is something you learn is so special and honestly really necessary to form truthful connections and good friendships and deeper friendships once you're older. But when you're younger in school, it's so hard. It's – yeah. So hard. I know. Yeah. And I think it really comes with age too, which is like the most annoying I know. <laughs> advice. But it's like, if I was going through this now, it would have, even if it, it was just a few years ago, right? You know, maybe five years ago, but you know, it's, it is crazy. Like the older you get, and I used to always cringe when my mom would say this, but she's like, I just don't care what people think anymore. And I was like, how? Like I was so self-conscious in high school and college. And now yeah. I'm like, truly, I, I just don't, you know, but 
when you are going through it, yeah, I agree with you. Like the school age can be just like so terrifying. <laughs> I know. And I do think that actually comes with entrepreneurship and like, you know, you have your own podcast. Like I've never been so confident and not given such a, like I literally yeah. don't care what anyone thinks about me unless it's like people I truly, truly care about. And even then, if you're going to think I'm weird, like you're not a good friend. Bye. Right, exactly. And I think it comes from putting yourself out there at like both you and I have. I think once you do it and you realize it's not that scary, you gain this confidence and it's almost like a high. It's like fun to start new things that other people are going to look at. Mm-hmm. I think it, <laughs> I yeah. always talk about this. I'm like, it's the biggest confidence exercise. It is. Yeah. No. And I love what you said. Like if people don't support you or say you tell your friend about your struggles with food and they're like, you're weird. It's like, great. I don't need that energy in my life. You know, like yeah. it's a great time to cut out <laughs> the friends the that really, right. Yeah, exactly. So from all of this, I mean, look at you now, you are the founder of Oat House. You have a whole team. You were on Shark Tank. So you came up with the recipe, started your business. Like what happens then? When did you, do you have a team around you now? Like you got into Whole Foods. So what happens once you create the recipe? Totally. Yeah. I feel like this is the time where a lot of people get stuck. And this was the scariest time for me of starting a business because like for anyone listening, I didn't go to business school. You know, I was pre-med in college. So I studied nutrition. I was going to go to med school. Like I was not business minded at all. Um, and my mom was a dentist. My dad was a teacher. So, you know, my mom had her own practice, but not really like, I didn't get a lot of entrepreneur life advice (laughs) from either. So I was, I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. And I think something that's important to note before I kind of dive into our trajectory is that you don't have to be super motivated by money to be an entrepreneur because I've never been really driven by money. Um, things that drive me are, you know, impressing other people or having that wow factor. Um, and it's, you know, you don't have to be embarrassed. Like I think being really self-aware of what drives you is actually really helpful. Um, but you know, other people on my team are like Eric, for example, my other co-founder and my partner, um, he's really competitive. So competitive with himself, competitive with other people. I don't really know, but that's what drives him. So knowing what drives you, because I think for so long I was like, well, I'm not really driven by like money isn't super exciting for me. And so I was like, maybe I'm not supposed to be an entrepreneur because that's, what's kind of painted in our mainstream pop culture. But, um, yeah, that was something that really helped me realize, but yeah, going back to our trajectory. So, you know, was in my kitchen, had this idea. And then I was like, now what, right? Like you have this idea. I think all of us have probably had an idea at one point and we're like, do I go for this? Like, where do I even go from here? Um, and I was working at the time full-time in tech. I was in marketing at a health tech company called Doximity. And Eric, my part, my boyfriend and partner, um, we've been together for like eight years now, but at the time it was, you know, three or four and he was in tech consulting, you know, so he was traveling all the time. So both of us were, you know, I loved my job, had a great boss, great team, you know, cool work environment. I wasn't like hating life and kind of looking for an escape. It was sort of just like this idea fell in my lap and I was like, oh, this is a really cool idea that no one's ever done before. Maybe I should explore it. So Eric is actually, I give him full credit with like really pushing me because I was sort of like, I don't even know where to go. I don't know how to do, how to start. And he was like, just start. Like, let's just 
one foot after the other. Um, and so we actually happened to be, we were out in Paris, um, on a vacation, which sounds super bougie, but like (laughs) we went, we went on Eric's points. So like, don't think that that was like the norm for us. It was my first time in Paris. (laughs) That's Um, amazing. I always say that. And I'm like, that sounds really, you know, like hoity-toity. Who cares? You do you. Go to Paris. (laughs) But like we were there and, um, and Eric was like, I have this friend from Jewish summer camp who is, works in a restaurant out here. He was like the only person in both his and my network that, you know, we knew who was a classically trained chef, um, Ari. And so we were like, let's meet up with him, you know, kind of pitch the idea to him and just the stars aligned. And, you know, cause Eric and I, we had this idea. We thought it was a great one, but neither of I, neither of us were chefs. Like we love food, but we needed someone that knew how to really scale a recipe, you know, do it in a commercial kitchen, all of that. So long story short, Ari loved the idea, totally was on board, was kind of ready for something new too. Um, Cause working in like the fine dining space is really tough, really exhausting and grueling. So he flies back to the U S we all sort of just hatched this plan and we're like, let's just start working on it as a side hustle. And I, I give a lot of people this advice because I think again, it's very glamorized to be like, quit your nine to five, just dive in, you know, like you'll figure it out as you go. And it's like, honestly, that's a very privileged way of approaching things because that means like, okay, you have enough money in the bank to be able to do that. Like, what if you're a single mom? What if you're working two jobs? Like it's not accessible for everyone. So Mm -hmm. I really, I mean, it can be obviously an option for some people, but for me, it definitely wasn't. I was working, I was living in San Francisco, most expensive city in the world, arguably, and, you know, living pretty much paycheck to paycheck, even though I was working in tech, like is very expensive cost of living. And so I was like, I have to keep working. And then it also afforded me the, you know, the possibility of just having that, that steady paycheck. And I wasn't worried about where my next paycheck was coming from. So it wasn't like my creativity was out the door. Cause I think oftentimes when you're stressed or you're strapped mm-hmm. for cash, it's hard to really think creatively. So I highly recommend working on something as a side hustle. And it also gives you time. You know, you're not like this has to succeed tomorrow. You're like, okay, I can take my time. The flip side to that is obviously you're not working on it full time and you're not fully invested. So you're kind of like, if I don't work on it today, it's fine, you know? So I think you kind of have to find that middle ground, which, so we worked on it as a side hustle for a year. Um, We ended up going full time once we got into Whole Foods and Press Juicery, which um, we were sort of just like, I can't do either job well, you know? And that was the, the point where you're like, I'm busting at the seams. I have to do this. Um, but it was still really scary. That was the scariest moment of our business was me leaving my full-time job because I'm very, I'm a very risk averse person. You know, I, I, again, I didn't really, I kind of fell into entrepreneurship, um, <laughs> but how Whole Foods came about, cause I, a lot of people ask that question too, is, um, you know, it's sort you know, there's a lot of different ways you can get into retail. I think for us, it was, we didn't know anything about the food industry. We didn't know anything about retail. So we probably went like, the weird way or the wrong way. Um, you can kind of go the straight and narrow where you like hire a broker and you pay them a commission and they present your product to Whole Foods. Honestly, I found the buyer on LinkedIn. so interesting. There are brokers for your product to get you into retail stores. I didn't even know that. That's really interesting. Right. A lot of stores like Sprouts, for example, they pretty much require it. So like we're not in Sprouts because we don't have a broker. We were like trying to just get in direct and they were like, no, you need a broker. Um, so yeah, retail is a whole beast. Like I'm happy to talk about it if you're interested. Cause as a customer, I, am, I, I yeah. thought it was just like, 
oh, you're a brand, you sell directly to Whole Foods. Like, right. No, no, no. <laughs> like there's distributors, there's brokers, there's merchandisers, so many different things. Um, but yeah, long story short, so I found the buyer on LinkedIn, literally just typed in different combinations of like first initial last name at WholeFoods.com, finally found one combination that didn't give me a bounce back email and then was just a pit bull and like followed up, followed up. And the reason I say that is just like, it's not always glamorous. It's not like this seamless thing. And it took us a long time to actually get a response. And then I sent her samples and then I didn't hear from her for months. And I was like, she hates it. And then finally (laughs) she was like, we love it. We're bringing it in. I was like, oh my God. But once you get into a retail store, it's actually the hard part. Like the real test is getting it off the shelves. Right. So that's kind of where the real journey began. Um, but yeah. And then back to our trajectory. So yeah, so we were still in San Diego at that point. I had quit my job full-time. Eric was still full-time in consulting, but it was sort of easy for him to, you know, work on the side. Um, then he quits and Ari had been full-time this whole time. And then we moved to Philly this past winter. So January, February, um, just because we needed more facility space in California is like crazy expensive. So yeah, we moved here during a snowstorm. It was like the craziest thing <laughs> moving our whole facility cross country, but, um, yeah, here we are. So that's, are you guys so much closer from working together and, and going through all of this together, getting into whole foods moving, like you must be so much closer, even though I'm sure it's so much harder and has changed your relationship in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, I think working with your significant other, first of all, is just, it's a trip. Like it's probably the best thing we've ever done for our relationship, but also one of the hardest, um, which I'm sure is probably like what having kids is like, <laughs> I would feel like this <laughs> so is our true. baby, so I wouldn't know, but, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. And then, I mean, obviously with Ari, it was a little different because, you know, him and I met in 2017. So very recent, you know, and then we decided to start the business a year later. So that was sort of a gamble, but it was nice because him and Eric had obviously, you know, again, went to summer camp together, knew each other from when they were younger, um, and just had that bond already. And then it was just, you know, with Ari and I obviously working together, like you become very close. I mean, when you're like pulling 12, 14 hour days on end and you're just like delirious and you're all just investing so much blood, sweat, and tears into the same vision. Like you can't help but just become super close to someone. Yeah. Um, But then obviously with Eric, it's different. I would say it's really nice to have like our project, our baby, like we're working toward this thing together, which is really cool. Because prior to this, it would be like, oh, how's your day at work? Good. How's yours? Good. But like I didn't really connect with him in that way. Um, But then the hard thing is like turning it off, right? So when is he my business partner and when is he my boyfriend? Um, and sort of navigating those lines has been a challenge, but something that we're learning a little bit. So, yeah, I'm sure, but it sounds like it's so much more rewarding than it is difficult. Like yeah. I'm sure the lines get blurred, but it sounds like you've gotten so much closer, which is amazing. And I'm sorry, I need to go into Shark Tank. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. It's time. <laughs> so you started the business 2017. You said. 2017. Yeah. So we, yep. 27, well, 2017, we had the idea and then we actually, you know, worked on the recipe and everything for probably six months and then founded, like launched March, 2018. Okay. So when does Shark Tank come? 2021? Yeah. So I know, unfortunately I can't tell, like say too much, just legally. Whatever you can tell. 
Whatever yeah. you can say. I would, I'm so intrigued by Shark Tank. I know everyone is. So we'd I love know. to hear about your experience. I know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, that came in. So we had applied a few times. Um, and then, you know, finally, again, that's like another just like a tale of persistence. Like if people tell you no, just if it's something you really want to do, honestly, what I found is like the only time you fail is like when you stop trying. <laughs> um, obviously there's like to a point, don't be like a stock psycho stalker. That's so true. I always say like there's there's always someone who can be way less talented or skilled than you, but they're more successful because they kept going or because they started first. Exactly. So it's like you just have to keep going. Totally. Because it's like with YouTube subscribers, with anything, like as long as you keep going, you're going to grow. Exactly. No, it's, I love that because especially too, like when you see people who have quote unquote made it right. Or you listen to like, like I always listen to these, like how I built this podcast episodes. Yeah, of course. And like these people, yeah. Like, you know, and everyone, I feel like that's like the ultimate like entrepreneur, you know, what we think of when we think of entrepreneurs, but what we don't see, like we're hearing their story and it's sort of this romanticized kind of looking through these rose colored glasses, you know, hindsight's 2020 type of story. And I love listening to it. It's very inspiring for me, but it still is frustrating sometimes because I'm like, well, you know, no one saw when they were sleeping at the facility. No one saw when they were, you know, having a mental breakdown and like not taking vacation for years on end. And so we only like the only time we see these people in pop culture, in social media is once they've made it big. And so that's our only point of reference. Like we don't see the struggle along the way at the very beginning when it's really hard and no one knows who you are. And so I think that's why sometimes when you are at the beginning, it's really challenging because you're like, I don't like, it feels like everyone else is just coasting along and like, it's been so easy for everyone else. Like, why is it so hard for me? Um, Mm. But it really is. It's just, you're only seeing kind of the end product of all these people. But what that also relates to Shark Tank, because it's like, you know, you see all these people going on. It's like, oh my gosh, like they must've just applied and then got chosen. And then now they're, you know, aired. It's like that, it was our fourth time applying. And, you know, the fourth time, like we were like, should we do this again? Cause it's like, you know, it's an intense application process. And we were like, we got to do it. Like just, there was something inside that was like, let's just do it. And honestly to myself, I was like, if we don't get chosen this time, like I'm not applying again. <laughs> I was well, like, it makes this- sense. Yeah. It makes sense that you would be chosen. Cause it's not just like you created another almond butter. Like, like you said earlier in this episode, it's really not a trend yet. And I truly believe yet because it's, it's such a great alternative for people who are allergic to nuts or who don't necessarily love the flavor of nuts or don't like nuts yeah. to still get something to put on their bananas and to put on their toast. Like it's so smart and the branding is beautiful and I will stop rambling about how amazing of an idea it is <laughs> to let you continue. What's oh the application God. process like? <laughs> no, no, no. You're so sweet. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. And that actually has been, I think, our biggest hurdle because people are always like, oh, that's so cool. You invented something, which, you know, it is cool, but it's also so hard. Like think about kombucha, right? Like kombucha is everywhere now and there's so many different brands, but I have so much respect for GTs because like they were doing it 20 years ago or, you know, however long when it wasn't cool. And like, everyone was like, oh, that's like some hippie drink, you know, like what is that? And so I really feel, and same thing with oat milk even. I know Oatly, you know, seems to kind of sprung up overnight, but, you know, over in Europe, it was, it's been around for a while. And so um, I think it really does take time, that customer education process. And so that's why I feel really grateful that we're in this time of influencers, because if we didn't have, you know, people on social media talking about how much they loved it, I don't know if it would have caught on as quickly as it did. And I'm not saying that we've like, 
we're still very small and hardly anyone knows about us. But just it is so hard when you have a new idea for something because it's not like you can be it's not like say you're throwing a party you can't be like oh my party's really cool you know you need other people to be like there's this really cool party happening like exactly (laughs) it's the same thing it's like if I was like shouting from the rooftops on Instagram like granola butter is like the next generation of spreads like everyone be like okay of course you're saying that it's your company but if everyone else is saying that about it then that's when sort of this movement happens people are seeking Um, it out so they find your product where you're like no one's really seeking it out yet because they don't know it exists Totally. But they yeah. will because of Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So going back. So, yeah, I can't, I mean, I obviously can't share about like yeah. the behind the scenes or anything, but of course. Um, I'll just, what I will say is that, you know, for anyone listening, like I never, like this is just, it's so surreal to me. It's not like, and I think if there's anything that someone can take away from this, it's like if you have an idea, if you have, you know, something that you want to pursue, but you have this little voice that's like, I'm not an entrepreneur or like, I don't know business or, you know, I don't know. No one's going to like it. Just freaking do it because I would have never, even just four years ago, I never would have thought I was going on Shark Tank. Like I didn't even have this product idea, you know, like life can change so quickly in the blink of an eye. And I'm not saying that it's, you know, not a lot of hard work because it really is. But if you do find something that you're passionate about and you believe in, anything is truly possible. And I know it's so cliche, but it really is true. Like if you just, and I know that like manifesting and all that's like very woo woo, but what's really helped me is just like thinking about, you know, what, what do you want your life to look like? And really getting super specific and just thinking of yourself in 10 years, like, what are you doing? What would be your ideal life? You can create that. Like, it's all up to you not to get Tony Robbins, but like, that's what this experience has really showed me because I never would have thought in a million years that I would be going on this show. Um, and I had so much self-doubt, but like, here we are, it's happening. So yeah, I think that's what the experience has shown me. Um, and then what else can I say about Shark Tank? Well, yeah, was Oat House, was the rebrand of the name before or after Shark Tank? That was before. So I think everything happens for a reason. You yeah. didn't get accepted your application until you had your official brand name what it was going to end up being I think that's crazy how the universe works sometimes honestly I know so true and it's funny too because looking back like of course it would have been a great experience when we applied before but I think just where we are in the business we're much better set up for something like this you know again it's like hindsight's always 2020 um and I'm sure we would have made it work but like when we applied before like we were super super tiny and so honestly it's like better now because we have a little more distribution and um, you know, we're able to support kind of the influx that's going to come. So were you so nervous? Did you like prepare your presentation for weeks? Like how is, how's that? So nervous. Like I, I usually am, I mean, I'm not used to public speaking in the way of like doing Ted talks and stuff, obviously, but you know, it's like being on Instagram. I'm used to talking to my phone. I'm, you know, doing stories, being on video. I'm pretty you know, confident in that, but it was just a different level. I mean, I'm just and you're <laughs> starstruck a- too. At the same time, like you're supposed to present to these people. I just, I can't even imagine. I know, I know. It, it's funny. It wasn't that as much actually, because um, once you, you know, you're there. It's like, oh, they're just normal. Not that they're right. normal people, but like, I don't know. Um, but it was more so just, yeah, the nerves of like, I don't know. It's just, you've, you've worked so hard to get to this moment and it's just, you know, anyone probably feels that way. Any important meeting or anything, you're like, 
okay, like it's under, under pressure now, like I got to perform. So yeah. Okay. Before we get into the ending segment, can you describe your experience in one word, like the entire day or however long you were there, how you left feeling like, let's describe it in one word Uh, as a little preview before the episode airs. Um, whirlwind. That's like the only thing I can say. It was that's a good one. Freaking whirlwind. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Well, when is the episode going to air so everyone can watch it? Yeah, it's um next Friday, so the twenty second, so a week from tomorrow. Okay, awesome. So maybe I'll have this, I'll have this go live maybe the Tuesday after that. Okay, so perfect. people can go watch. Okay, cool. All right. So fun facts and favorites. First question is going to be. What is your favorite way to eat your granola butter? Mm. Oh my gosh. With a spoon. Just hands down. Face Straight to up. jar. Yeah. Face plant. And what's your favorite flavor? <laughs> Ooh, it changes. You know, so it's vanilla has always been a staple for me because I've always Love loved like a one. deep buttery vanilla. Um, and that's just the mer- most versatile, I think. But the strawberry shortcake is kind of I don't know. They're neck and neck now. That one's pretty it, good. It hits. <laughs> yeah, it hits. Okay. What is your favorite podcast to hmm. listen to? I have different ones for different things. I mean, How I Built This obviously like is a great inspirational one. But again, as I mentioned, like I take it with a grain of salt. But sometimes like when I'm grinding in the kitchen and I've like, been you know working all day and all night and I like <laughs> listen to that, it does give me this little like light at the end of the tunnel kind of vibes. Not that you should – like I try to live in the moment and be like enjoying the journey, but you know, there's some times where you're like, man, I just, it's been a rough day. Um, so that one's good for like inspiration. Um, what else? I'm trying to think. Love the daily just for like, again, staying up on news. Um, but you know, again, I'm not like, if I don't want to be in the news all the time, it's like a quick update. Plus I have, think they have some pretty cool stories and it's like most engaging. Everyone always says the daily. I need to listen to it. Really? Yeah, everyone I mean, always says that. New York Times, I don't know. They right, so I always associate it with like boring, but everyone yeah. always says they listen to the daily. No, it's great. Yeah, I mean, it's a good way. Just it's like here's what you need to know today. Boom, quick yeah. episode. So fab. I like those. Yeah, those are like just two. Perfect. Okay, when do you feel your happiest? Oof. Um, let's see. I feel my happiest, lots of different things. I think what comes to mind immediately is just whenever I'm in nature. Um, So, you know, that's been, I think, really challenging here in Philly, just reorienting myself to a different environment. Like obviously when I was in San Diego, I would do my beach walks every morning, loved being by the water. I was such a water girl. And now it's like, okay, there's no ocean. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like Very my, different. <laughs> yeah. Eric's mom, she's actually from Philly. And I remember she called me, they live in Santa Barbara now, but like she called me when she heard that we were moving and she was just like so nervous for me. She's like, you know, you're not going to have your beach walks. And I was like, I'll be okay. But it actually, I've been surprisingly, you know, adaptable. Um, But just getting out in nature as much as I can. I think, you know, all of us live in this world where we're just indoors and looking at screens and um, it's just so crazy how beneficial it can be when you just like, even just like putting your bare feet on the ground. I think they call it like grounding and they have grounding. some like fancy name. Yeah. But it's like just like touching the earth is so helpful sometimes. Or going on a walk, life-changing. Just being off the screen and in yeah. fresh air can do wonders. wonders. I completely agree. Okay. What would be your last meal on earth? Um, 
baby back ribs. Love baby back ribs. So random. It's my favorite food. Yum. Love a good barbecue. Yeah. Okay. Where can the people find you and all things Oat House? Shout everything out. I will. So Oat House, our website is just www.oat.house and it's it's H-A-U-S. Um, my Instagram is just my name, Allie Bonner. And then our handle for Oat House is oat.house. Um, Retail-wise, you can find us in Whole Foods on the West Coast, East Coast, and Florida. And then anywhere in between, Amazon or our website. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait to watch your episode and I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. This is so fun. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate, review, and definitely subscribe so that you don't miss another insightful episode. You can also engage with the community on the Dare to Self Care podcast Instagram, so definitely join us all there, and I will see you guys next week. Bye!